This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Hill. I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Fraser Nelson. Now, Katie, in the Times today, there's the latest serialisation of the ongoing Tom Baldwin book about Keir Starmer. And there's a report that Sue Gray has been drawing up plans for so-called Citizens' Assembly. Tell us more. So what's quite interesting in this book, which has received a lot of access from the Starmer machine, largely because it was originally meant to be Starmer's own book with Tom Baldwin, former Ed Miliband spinner, as a ghostwriter. Keir Starmer eventually realised he was too busy, slash it might look a little bit complacent to have the big biography that he, you know, he penned himself ahead of a general election. So in the end, what happened was Tom Baldwin has written a book as a biography, but an authorised biography, effectively. And there's been lots of serialisations. I think... The most probably interesting part of it so far is, I think, more details of Keir Starmer's childhood, his difficult relationship with his father and problems growing up. But it also has various interviews with key Starmer figures. So, for example, Tom Baldwin speaks to Keir Starmer, but he also has the first on-the-record interview from Sue Gray since she has taken on the role of Chief of Staff. And she has an on-the-record denial of claims that she was once a spy, um, saying that is not the case, because there are lots of things saying she'd had this um, pub where she'd been working to get information on the Irish side of things. In terms of uh, what her interview tells us about what to expect from a Labour government, she has been talking about citizens' juries as something that Labour would do in government. So plans to bypass Whitehall by using citizens' assemblies to make key decisions. And Gray says that she's inspired by looking at the transformational success of citizens' juries in Ireland that has built consensus for constitutional changes, including ending the ban on abortion and allowing gay marriage. She says Whitehall will not like this because they have no control. Now, what kind of issues would they use this for? There's a suggestion um, in the write-up that it could be things like planning, uh, devolution. I think it's an interesting idea. It's definitely a talker in Westminster today. Before people complete dismiss it, and you've had some on the right saying, this is an awful idea, this is what Parliament's for to have your representatives. I mean, you had William Hague in the Times about two months ago, writing very much in favour of um, citizens' assemblies, saying they could be used for some of the more knotty issues here. I think other Conservatives have thought that. But I think there's a question as to... I suppose my immediate thought one is, which issues would you use them for? Mm. Because, to me, planning... (laughs) Is it just going to be like effectively a planning meeting where almost everyone's got a bit, a bit too much of a stake in the game sometimes on that? And perhaps I'm thinking too little of citizens' juries here. But often I think where they can work best is obviously ethical issues or those really knotty issues that no political party can solve. Now, you could say that as planning, but I would imagine more perhaps, you know, tuition fees, uh, university funding. Is that something citizens' juries could be good at? Or social care? I mean, that's the political football no one wants to go near. Is it devolution? And so forth. But I mean, the question is, is this a smart move, which is going to mean there's more solutions? Or is it a way of making it so Keir Starmer, who is often accused of being not that political, has to make even fewer hard decisions? 
I think it's interesting that Sue Gray gave an interview at all. Uh, this is a figure whose power within the Labour Party is increasingly contentious. You, you now start to hear in a way that you didn't sort of um, a few months ago, that Starmer basically hasn't got much interest in, in pol- politics and policies, that he basically is a machine lawyer who's very good at um, vanquishing Corbynism and making sure the new candidates are as he'd like them, but doesn't have that many ideas on what to do with the country. And along comes Sue Gray. And, and because... Starmer's court is quite bureaucratic, quite um, mechanistic. You have in Sue Gray somebody who is increasingly influential in deciding party policy. This is somebody who was working inside the Tory run number 10 mm. not so long ago. So uh, I think this, is, um, this disclosure is interesting because it's going to create more focus on uh, who is she and what does she want. Now, as somebody who's a quite long veteran of this um, of the devolution arguments, you, you know, Scots have heard this before. I'm not quite sure how many Scots think the quality of their government and everyday life has been improved because of the Scottish Parliament. In the North East, there was a referendum to work out if they want a devolved assembly. They rejected it emphatically. When people were asked if they wanted mayors, they um, pretty much rejected most of them. And then they had mayors imposed upon them anyway. So this is quite a common pet project of central government, thinking, you know, what we need is more more local decision makers. But when you actually ask the average citizen if they want to get another layer of politician, they tend to say no. And on the issue that you mentioned, Katie, take tuition fees, I think the big, the urgent issue is to significantly increase tuition fees. They've been £9,000 now for a long, long time. The real terms value of them is really diminished. As a result of that, you're going to see universities struggling to offer as many places as they did. And this strange situation of people who could afford Twenty, thirty thousand pounds a year for private schools, having their education subsidised by the average taxpayer. There isn't a moral case for it, so somebody needs to bite that bullet or face another university's funding crisis. So I can't see any citizens' assembly being the device that Keir Starmer would need to say, you know what, this nine grand should really be twelve grand now. And after what happened to the Lib Dems, I can't imagine anybody doing this. So there are various crises coming down the road. Mm-hmm. The Tories set up the Office for Budget Responsibility for the, for this reason. They wanted an external factor to say to them, look, we were going to recommend difficult things balancing the budget because we, the Conservatives, don't think we'll have the political power to do that. I don't think these assemblies are sometimes thought of as methods of trying to devolve difficult um, decisions or difficult local cuts, but they don't tend to work in practice as the last 25 years have attested. And elsewhere, Katie, there's some interesting polling out by uh, the organisation that supported Keir Starmer's leadership bid four years ago, Labour Together. They've done some modelling on two likely scenarios in the event of an election victory for Labour. Tell us through them. So I think what's interesting, or what I personally find interesting about this polling, is I think it's got something for Labour and I think it's got something for the Tory right. And that is effectively Labour Together. If you're going to think of a think tank as pro-Starmer, you can't really get more Starmer than Labour Together. Mm. Morgan McSweeney, who used to be... um, we can have a debate about whether it's Sue Gray or Morgan McSweeney, but at least in the top two most senior aides to Keir Starmer used to be director of it. And therefore, when you're looking at this polling, the big message from Morgan McSweeney at Shadow Cabinet and all these presentations to staff is don't be complacent. You know, no vote has been... T- no one has voted yet in the general election and please don't let these big poll leads or by-election wins go to your head. And what this polling is saying is, yes, 
on the latest Labour Together YouGov poll, there is a 20-point lead, which would mean a majority of 192 seats if it was to be um, transferred over. But they're saying there are a few reasons why they don't think that would necessarily happen when an election held tomorrow, saying don't know vote share is still very large at 17%. The reform vote strength is questionable. Often upstart parties get squeezed at a general election. And then also um, saying that, you know, some of those who have switched to the Labour Party could be soft switches who after, you know, a very aggressive election campaign from the Tories trying to show Keir Starmer as shifty might decide to switch back. So they put forward two alternative scenarios. One is they're almost kind of reasonable bad case scenario where the majority is still around 80 but that is if these switches go that way and so forth but I think the one that's getting the most attention today is what about there be a collapse of the reform vote now of course on Friday we had the two by-election losses Labour won both but the fact the reform got over 10% in both is an interesting one in the sense I think some people think actually reform should have done a bit better on Wellingborough, for example, given that is where your core vote would be. And how well UKIP did in that seat before, yeah. Exactly. So so for all the oh, the, the threat of reform, I don't think they've, sh- they've shown they've got the level of momentum that UKIP or even the Brexit party had. But it's still a problem if you have them standing in all these cans and, and shaving some of the vote off. Now, of course, not every reform vote would be a Tory vote. But in this modelling, the, the scenario is a collapse of the reform vote where the right-wing reform UK vote collapses either because Sunak delivers on his promises on immigration or because reform's own fortunes fall dramatically or perhaps they choose not to stand against the Conservatives and they're saying if this happens there'd be a dramatic narrowing of the vote the Labour's lead cut to four points they'll still be the largest party but there'd be a hung parliament now it is of course in the interest of Labour to say uh, you know every vote counts things that close don't squander your vote elsewhere but I think it's also interesting because you have MPs on the right of the party right now, the new Conservatives, Jacob Rees-Mogg, others, trying to say, look at the by-election result. We need to move further right, pick more policies, be more like reform, and that's how we get there. And I think both can take something from this polling. I guess the scepticism is, can we really imagine a scenario where the reform vote collapses that much? It seems like Richard Tice has been pretty explicit that he wants to hurt the Tories. So... It's hard to see him withdrawing because of a last-minute pact. So therefore, would it then be that Rishi Sunak manages to somehow deliver on boats and immigration? It's a bit of a long shot right now. Mm. But I think, therefore, the more practical result of this poll is MPs on the right saying, if you do something to, to take the reform voters, look, we're right, things would be a lot closer. And that does go back to what these mysterious plotters talk about, which is having a leader who's on more, um, you know, he's trusted more in immigration than Rishi Sunak, as they see the only way to really change things in an election which doesn't have MP support right now but it is more that type of argument Well let's remember that the kind of the Farage votes um, collapsed last time and it benefited the Tories and the Labour Together poll uh, assumes quite a generous assumption that the don't knows as you say Katie 17% a huge chunk of the of the electorate will defer back to the party they voted for last time. Now that suggests the sort of semi-magical resuscitation of the of, of the Tory votes in the Red Wall. Now, this is the best news the Conservatives have had for quite a while. Um, so the idea of a hung parliament, I think, is one that probably most Tories would seize with both hands right now if, if they had the chance. I guess the reform, I mean, James, you, you, you were covering reform long before it was popular. They're now pretty much level-pegging with the Lib Dems, but both, both have about 9% of the polls. 
I can certainly see a situation where where they get squeezed because general elections are seen to be a choice. The idea of the reform vote is a wasted vote, I think, will certainly resonate in an electoral system where even though they're roughly the same popularities of Lib Dems, the Lib Dems are likely to get way more seats, reform will be lucky to get one or two. So the wasted vote narrative, I think, would be effective in a general election. So I can see that scenario coming to pass. But just who would be the beneficiaries of the reform votes and the don't knows, that's where I'm less sure than them labour together that the Tories would necessarily pick up as many of those as is assumed. Well, thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening to Coffee Hour Shots. It's not always easy and sometimes life can be deceiving I'll tell you one thing, it's so much better when we're together so much better when we're together Yeah, we'll look at them stars and we're together We're so much better when we're together Yeah, so much better when we're together